Hello and welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you can join us. Today you're listening to a message from Pastor Harrison about compassion, taking action, and how God qualifies and equips us all. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus. And I just pray in this place, God, that as we leave this place, we will be filled with a measure of your confidence, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, God. We love you, Jesus. We pray. And we all gave a mighty shout of praise. Amen. If you've been um, a part of our church community for three months in this building, uh, I've been saying, open your Bibles, they're on the screen, we're in the book of Galatians. Today, we're not in Galatians anymore. Some people excited, some people sad. But we're in the book of Matthew today. And it starts like this. It says, Jesus. Come on, somebody. What a better way to start than Jesus. That's why we're here. Jesus, Matthew chapter 9, went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest then to send workers out into his field. Matthew 10, verse one, next verse. It says, Jesus then called his 12 disciples and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. We're, uh, it's the weekend and uh, maybe you're here today on your day off. uh, So you might not like this title but uh, I'm about to get us going today. So our title this morning is Let's Get to Work. Let's Get to Work. You can clap your hands for Jesus. Thank you so much, worship team. Let's get to work. Hey, can you touch the person next to you and say, let's get to work? Come on, as a famous prophet once said, everybody's working for the weekend. So, um, man, I'm just so pumped to share today. Uh, We, as I said, finished um, a series that was three months, longest series in Kingdom Church history. And uh, next week, next week, listen listen to this church, we have um, our church elder, our overseer, Pastor Ryan Iverson from Calgary, Love City Church. He's going to be here next week. And so super excited for that. Two weeks after that, or two weeks from today, we have five for five, five speakers from our church, come on somebody, from our team, speaking for five minutes. And so I say that to say, this week, this May long weekend was kind of like an awkward weekend because I'm not gonna start a new series. I generally preach in series. I do not often have just a random week to preach. But today is a random week to preach. Now, as you may or may not know, there's no randomness in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus knows the beginning from the end, but uh, I just kind of came to God, and I was like, God, what do you want me to speak today? Because like, I don't got like a series, I don't really have an idea, like what should I preach on today? And where God kind of brought me was back to our vision as a church for this year. You guys, if you can go back all the way to September, God has a vision for our year, for our church, and the vision for Kingdom Church is to build. God is calling us to build this year. This is the year of building. Now, uh, literally, like we are building a church building. Come on, somebody. And 
We're excited for that. It's been a stretch of faith, and man, God is going to do amazing things in that, through that, to that. But that's not the only thing we've been building. If you guys remember, for nine weeks, God was building uh, just specific aspects of our spiritual life. Talked about building your faith, building your truth, building your worldview. We did that in the fall for nine weeks. Then we had our year-end series, which was called Building Blocks. You guys see a theme? I don't just fly by the seat of my pants, as maybe you think that I do. And I just think that in the book of Galatians, where we were there for 13 weeks, I think the biggest thing that God was building within us was a picture of his goodness and his grace. And my prayer is that I hope that it is better than anything you could ever imagine. And if you have not heard any of those messages because you are new or visiting, first off, welcome. We love you. Leave this place after and go on YouTube. Check it out. But all of that, the building, where is God building? Where is God pulling us? Where is God um, taking us? You see, God is not a God that is stagnant. Everything that he is building, everything that he is depositing within us as individuals, as a church, God is taking us somewhere. He's taking you somewhere. Even if you are here today and you are a brand new believer, God is taking you somewhere. You're here. You're on the journey. Now, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. For those of us that call Kingdom Church home, if you don't call Kingdom Church home, I pray today is the day you begin to call Kingdom Church home. I want you to understand something. As you came into this place, we are not a cruise ship. We're a battleship. Come on, somebody. We're not a cruise ship. We're a battleship. Cruise ships are comfortable. They got all-you-can-eat buffets. You can get fat in a week because everything's just there for you. We ain't a cruise ship. We're a battleship. And we're going to stay slender. We're going to stay lean because we're fighting the fight. Now, some of you guys are like, well, Harrison, like, who, who's the enemy? Who are we fighting against? Darkness. Listen, that, that song that we sang a few before, it says that Jesus came to save our souls. Listen, every soul is up for grab. And it's either for good or for bad. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Now, the Bible says that Jesus' heart is that none shall perish. He is for everyone. And so as a church, what's our mission? Our mission is to save souls. We're in the redemption business. And so as a church, we ain't a cruise ship. We don't got time for an all-you-can-eat buffet. We don't, certainly don't have time for shows where we sit and consume. No, we're here on mission. And I just believe that today... God is going to make a clearer picture of what our vision is. And again, as I said, no matter where you are in the journey, this is going to apply to you. If you've been in church for a long time, this is going to apply to you. If you're kind of checking this whole thing out, like what is Christianity about, it's going to apply to you. And I hope it's appealing that you know that as a church, we ain't standing still. We're going somewhere. And so we're going to bring light to the dark. That's our mission. And I kind of want to, I think, just a great place to be, obviously, as we think, like, well, what does it look like to follow Jesus? How do we stay on mission? What is next? What better place to go than to the life of Jesus himself? That's what I want to do today. So Matthew chapter 9, uh, we read through it. I'm going to kind of break it down uh, really quickly, just a little context. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And specifically in Matthew chapter 9, we're kind of getting a glimpse into the very early beginnings of the ministry of Jesus. And so that's just kind of a little context. I'm going to break it down as we go through it, and I'm going to show us. Because like Harrison, okay, battleship, cool. What does it look like? What does going to battle look like? Like, do I need to gear up? What, what are we doing here? Let's go through this. You guys ready? Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. 
So I just want to pause here before we get to the next verse. Because one thing, if you do not know, when we bear the name Christian, or we, or we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, however you may brand yourself, if you've ever, ever wondered, like, what is a Christian specifically? Pretty simple. We are, as I said, followers of Jesus. And so what that means is we emulate the actions of Jesus. That is what it means by definition to follow a leader. We try to be like them. And so one of the things that we see here with Jesus is the moment that he begins his ministry, the moment that he starts and gets going, he is on mission from the very beginning. As soon as he goes, as soon as he is sent out, he is on mission. The Bible says that he went town to town teaching, healing, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. So listen, if you want to understand what does it look like very specifically to enter into the battle, you're on mission. It is as simple as that. I must have a mind shift and a mind belief that if I follow Jesus, I am on mission. I'm not here for a long time or even a good time. I'm here on mission. And I, I kind of want to break down because one of the things that Jesus does is he proclaims the good news. One, one of the things that all of us, listen to this, all of us, I said all of us as followers of Jesus, we are called to proclaim the good news. And some of you guys are like, Harrison, what is the good news? I'm so glad you asked. I spent 13 weeks breaking it down. So like I said, go watch it. But can I give you a microcosm of what it is? The good news is simply this. Jesus made a way where there was no way. God, listen, some of us are saying, well, what, what, what does God think about me? I wonder what God thinks about me. Through Jesus, God showed you exactly what he thinks about you. God, as I said, has a heart for you. He wants none to perish. He wants none to be separated from him. The only kind of issue is that sin, our sinfulness, our brokenness, it separates us from God. And so it kind of seems like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. The only thing is that we're not actually stuck because God did not condemn. Instead, he sent his son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Why? Because he took the penalty that you deserved on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And so that's why we say, it's all because of you, Jesus. is. Come on, all because it's all Jesus. That's the good news. You're like, oh, that's why they were so excited when they sang it. That's why we sang it four times, because it's all because of Jesus. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus proclaims it. God is for you. Listen, you want to understand you're a very bare minimum believer. You need to let people know that God is for them. That's our job. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on what. I mean, I will later on. Because I can get on what? Like, okay, Harrison, how do I craft that message better? How do I really, like, speak to people? Like, what, what should I do? Like, that's, that's all important. But what we do is not as important as why we do it. Even more so, what we do will only be as effective as why we do it. And so we know here what Jesus does. But then in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he tells us why. He tells us why. First half of the verse, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. What drove Jesus? What, what drove Jesus to go from town to town to preach, to proclaim, to heal? 
Matthew says he had compassion. You guys ever, and maybe this is a weird pastoral thing, but do you guys ever like just see big crowds? Like hockey season, right? Like big crowds or downtown. And you guys ever thought like, I wonder how many people know Jesus? You guys ever think that? Maybe just me. I was kind of looking around like, man, there's like so many people here. Like, I wonder how many of them know Jesus. Sometimes like you feel like you probably know, like they don't know Jesus. <laughs> you guys ever been there? Like, yeah, that person does not know Jesus. You see, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, there is something inside of you, and, and maybe you're experiencing, experiencing it, maybe you have experienced it. But the moment that God begins to do a work in your life, there is something inside of you that can literally not shut up. It comes out like, I, just, I, just, I need to talk about this Jesus guy because he changed my life. And it does not matter how far or new or long you've been on the journey. When Jesus probes your heart, you want to speak about him. Inevitably, you want other people to become Christians as well. You want other people to be followers of Jesus as well. That should be something that is ingrained in you as a believer. Like, man, this is so good. I want other people to experience this. Now, for a lot of us, it's like, well, how do I, how do, I do that, though? Like, how do I actually bring people into a relationship with Jesus? Because, like, I know that's where I want them to be. I want them to be in relationship, but where do I start? And I think for a lot of us, the reason that we never actually bring people into relationship with Jesus is because of this very issue. We know the end goal, but we don't know the starting place. And what we see from Jesus here is not the end goal, but the starting place. And his starting place is so simple. It's compassion. How do I reach people? How do I... Compassion. What, what should I say? What should I do? Start with compassion. Now, I'm, I'm going to dig into the Greek. I know two weeks in a row I'm nerding out on you guys. But the Greek word that Matthew uses here is a really interesting word. Now, in English, we translate it as compassion. But in Greek, it is actually a combination of two words. And one of the words is probably similar to our idea of compassion. Like, you know... To have compassion is to feel and, and all these kind of things. But the other word that he brings in is this idea of like a deep, like visceral reaction. Almost like this like movement in your bowel, movement in your stomach. And so Jesus felt something, which was compassion emotionally, but he felt it so deep it actually physically caused him to feel something. And so when, when, when Jesus looks out at the crowd, what Matthew is trying to say in, in his, with his word choice is that there is actually not one word to describe the depth of what he was feeling. And so literally, Matthew made a word up. Charles Spurgeon, he says it like this. He says, the original word is remarkable because it is not found in classic Greek. The fact that it was coined by the evangelists themselves was because they could not find in the whole Greek language a word that suited their purpose. And therefore, they had to make one up. Jesus was feeling so deeply... Like, I, I, Matthew's like, I want them to understand, like, wh how, how, how Jesus, when he looks out what he's feeling, but he looks into his dictionary, he's like, there's literally not a word. I got to make something up. Jesus was moved emotionally, intellectually. He was even moved physically. Something in his stomach was churning. You guys ever feel that before? Kind of like, as I was, you know, processing this word, um, I was thinking to times in my life, like, where have I felt that deep, deep compassion? 
Now, I'm not really like an emotional person when it comes to television and movies. I know some of you guys, like you turn it on like you're crying no matter what. Um, it, for me, it takes a really sad movie to make me cry. Um, but there's a couple kind of just like things that came to my mind this week. Like what really got me? And like I'm letting the Holy Spirit lead. So I'll tell you the first one. Kind of had it right now. Um, back in the day, I watched, um, have you guys ever seen Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr.? It's an old movie. Um, but in the movie in itself, just he, he's, he has a mental uh, handicap. And basically there's this scene where these guys um, lock him in a shed. And he's, and he's handicapped. And so it's, just, it's super sad. And I was uh, probably like 10 when I watched this. And I remember that was probably like one of the first things I've ever watched that caused like this deep, deep, like visceral reaction within me. And I'm like 10 years old and I go, what is this salty substance, right? Like, because like, I was just like absolutely moved. I was moved with compassion. I'll give you guys one more. Any of you guys ever seen Lion before? It's a story that takes place in India. Uh, my people, maybe that's why it really moved me. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's two little boys, and um, they get separated as brothers. And there's this scene where the little boy, and he's like five, four, even younger, he gets separated from his brother, and he's just calling out to his brother. And I remember, like, and I was there with some other tough people. We were watching in the theaters. And I look around, and everyone's, like, like trying not to, like. <laughs> but, like, it was just, it, it was so sad. And, like, you just have, like, this deep, visceral reaction. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? You've ever experienced that? Here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus looks at a crowd of people. No one is lost. No one's locked in a shed. And he has that exact same feeling. He has that exact same feeling. He, he's moved. Why? He doesn't see anything specific, but it's because Jesus has a deep understanding of the condition of humanity. And as Jesus understands us, you and I, it moves him to compassion. So I want us to write it like this. Compassion is the catalyst for transformation. Compassion is the catalyst for transformation. Like, how do I reach people, Harrison? Like, give me a textbook. Like, I need, I need to understand Christology better and eschatology and uh, sanctification. That'll transform people. No, no, no. Compassion is the catalyst for transformation. Listen, I told you as a church, we are on mission. We're trying to bring light into the dark world. Where do we start? Compassion. We start with compassion. And so... I want us to go back because, sure, we can have this end goal where we want people to come into relationship with Jesus. But think about that big crowd, or let's go micro, the people that you work with, your, your classmates, your friends that do not know Jesus, family members. I want us to ask us a simple question. When you look at these people, what is the disposition of your heart? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Is it compassion or is it something else? I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I have this thing called Instagram. You guys may have heard it before. And um, I follow, like, people uh, that, like, know Jesus and those that don't know Jesus. Uh, and some that, like, I don't know what they do uh, with their lives. But a lot of people uh, will post things. And I'm going to be straight up. Some of them are just stupid. Like a lot of it, like what really gets me, and I should, you know, pray for me. Um, what really gets me is when people post things that they think is really deep, but it's actually nonsensical. That just really grinds my gears. 
And a lot of the times, it's people that don't know Jesus. And as I was reading this word, this compassion, and thinking about these people that many times will cause a deep, visceral reaction within me. The other half of the emotion, because my body's doing something, is not always compassion. Sometimes it's anger. A lot of times, I'm going to be honest, it's pride. It's pride because I think, like, man, I know so much more than this person. Like, how could they be so stupid? But here's the truth. You can write this down. I will never be able to reach someone that I resent. I'll never be able to reach someone I resent. So, so, so listen to this. Jesus calls them the least of these. Everyone in our, in our life, you have a least of these. Someone that kind of rubs you the wrong way. Someone that kind of needles you. Maybe it's a family member, a co-worker, a person in the cubicle across from you. Guess what? They're in your life for a reason. Listen, I said they're in your life for a reason. And the reason they're in your life is not for you to resent them. It's for you to love them and show compassion for them. Because compassion is the catalyst for transformation. Now, I know some of you guys are like, Harrison, listen, you don't know my Aunt Sally. Like, you don't know what she posts on Facebook. She's so annoying. She's so filled with hate. How can I have compassion for the ones that just, they don't deserve compassion? Look at this. <clears throat> Where does compassion come from? Matthew 9, he says, again, 36, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> what I said was that Jesus' disposition towards them was built on his deep understanding of their condition. He says they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, it's a rich metaphor. It's a rich metaphor, especially for that culture. Sheep without a shepherd. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sheep don't do it for me, emotionally speaking. So for me, as I read that, and, and Jesus could have very easily said the same thing, he could have said, man, they were harassed and helpless like a child without a parent. And that gets me because i got three kids under the age of three, and I have such a deep heart for them where I just realized the responsibility that we have as a parent, especially when they are young, is like you literally keep them alive. Like without you, they're going to just walk off the side of the road, whatever it may be. And like, I have, a, it's funny, I was telling Chris, like I have a, a deep heart for all of my kids, but like there's just something about like girls that makes a difference. Like my son Judah, he's like eight months old, but I'm like, he'll be all right. <laughs> like he's, he's good. But there's just something, man, like with my, I, we have twin girls, they're two and a half years old. Like it's just, it, something in my heart. Dads, you know what I mean? If you got daughters, it's just like, it's a little bit different. Like, I kind of, like, before, like, my brother and I used to be like, man, how come my dad likes our sister more? <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> but, like, I just, I have such a deep heart for them. And just this, 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 this deep, and for all my kids, but um, just this deep sense of, like, I need to protect them. Like, they need me because without me, they're harassed and helpless. Listen, this is Jesus' heart towards each and every one of us. 
We are his children, and without him, we are harassed and helpless. We're lost. And so Jesus, as he looks out over this crowd, he sees it with the eyes of a father. And he's like, wow, these people are harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, like kids without a parent. Listen to this. You may not know this, but for those of us that do not belong to Jesus, we belong to darkness. We're lost. We're literally a walking corpse. Paul says that our, our minds are literally scabbed. We're without feeling. And so one of the most dangerous things that can happen when you're without feeling, it's actually a real disease, is that if you can't feel, you are susceptible to pain. And it's not that you're going to feel the pain, but it's that sometimes you'll do something so crazy because you don't know it hurts, they could actually cause serious, serious damage. And so when we understand the condition of people without Jesus, this idea that they are without feeling, it means without Jesus, they're literally walking into danger. They don't know it, but they're lost. And for us as followers of Jesus, that is where our compassion is built. When we understand, man, these people are literally, they're lost. I told you guys, I'll give you guys some things. I told you that kind of like sayings make me angry because they're so stupid. Um, it shouldn't make me angry. It should fill me with compassion. One thing I can't stand is when people say, follow your truth. Follow your truth, because it's nonsensical, because truth is truth. Anyways. <laughs> My heart should not be anger, but compassion. Because what follow your truth really means is follow what you think is right. And what I think is right is often contrary to what God says is right. And if God doesn't say it's right, it's going to ultimately lead to my destruction. And so when someone says, I'm just following my truth, my heart should not be hardened. My heart should be softened to say, oh, my gosh, like, what are these people going to do to themselves? They're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so, listen, compassion is bred and born from understanding other people's condition. That's one half. But here's the second half. Titus chapter 3, this is Paul. He says, at one time, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kind of passion and pleasure. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when, come on somebody, the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because we are righteous, but because of his mercy. But because of his mercy. So, Compassion is bred from understanding other people's condition, but it's also when I understand my own condition. You need to understand this. If I do not know how sinful I am, how wicked I am, I will never begin to have compassion for other people. Because for a lot of us, we live in this way where we think we are morally superior, meaning when I see something that I view as morally inferior, I can never see myself doing that. And if I can never see myself doing that, and there is no place for compassion. But what Paul is saying, what we need to understand is that at one time, without Jesus, we were all deceived. We were all enslaved. And when I'm deceived, when I'm tricked, I'm susceptible to anything. I'm susceptible to anything. And so compassion comes from understanding people, but it also comes from understanding me. I want to remind someone today that's been in church for a long time, you weren't so put together when Jesus found you. You remember that time? You didn't know what you were doing. 
You were living in sin. You thought it was good. You weren't so neat when Jesus found you. You didn't tuck your shirt in back then. Oh, to think where I would be if not for Jesus. We sing that bridge sometimes. Oh, to think where I would be if not for you, God. Listen, I actually need to go to that place sometimes. I need to ask myself, what would I be doing without Jesus? What does the unhinged version of me do? What would me with no, uh, what would me with no filter do? That's what Paul says is those that are not in relationship with him. And so Jesus has compassion because we understand people and we understand ourselves. And so what that means is as we seek to have compassion, we must move from just an intellectual understanding to an emotional one as well. I cannot just intellectually think to myself, this person is lost. I will have compassion. I must be deeply moved. Because if our intellect and our emotion are not working hand in hand, we will not see lasting change. It's kind of like I heard a story this week, um, and it was just, I don't know if it's real or an illustration, but there was a guy in a boat, and uh, he, was, he was driving uh, just in a canal, and he hit a rock, and the man flew out of his boat at high speed. And over time, uh, medics came, paramedics came, and they were performing CPR, trying to resuscitate this man who had been in this serious accident. And as he was there, there was another man that was driving by, walking by, and as he was walking by, he like, sees the commotion, and so he stops. And he looks over, and he sees the man, and he begins, begins to think to himself, like, man, life is so fragile. Life is so fragile. It could, it could be lost in a second. But then as he begins to walk closer, and he gets a better glimpse, what he sees is that the man that was thrown out of the boat is his brother. And all of a sudden, his disposition switches. He is no longer thinking of the fragility of life. Instead, he begins to scream. And he says, help! We need more help! This man is dying. He's my brother. He's dying. We need help! You see, we cannot simply intellectually know that people need help. We must emotionally understand it as well. And so literally, we need to begin to see people not as just people, but as our brothers and as, as our sisters, as family, as children, lost, in need of a shepherd. Listen, someone has been lied to. Can I tell you that? Your coworker that you can't stand, they've been lied to. That person on Instagram, they've been lied to. They are the way they are because they have been lied to. And that should build something up within us. I watched a Netflix documentary. I'm not going to get into it. I told a few people about it. <laughs> but in short, so we stay on task. Um, there was a man who was a doctor and he deceived people. And as I watched that, I was filled with such emotion. Because how could this man deceive people? There's nothing worse than deception. And to understand that those who are not with Jesus are deceived, it should lead us to something. It should lead us to something. This is what Jesus says. Verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest then to send workers into his field. Now, I love Matthew 10, which we're going to read in a second, because he says, pray for workers. Then he's like, oh, found some. Get out there. Go. But as Jesus is filled with compassion, he realizes compassion isn't enough. 
It's not enough to just feel. It's not enough to just say, man, people are deceived, people are lost. I have to do something. Jesus says, pray for workers. Guess what, church? You're the worker. Here's the point. Compassion must always lead to action. Compassion must always lead to action. Listen, I talked about the person in your life that kind of annoys you. What about the one in your life that is deceived but you love more than anything else? That should push you to some action. I have to do something. I can't keep going the way that things have been going. Like these people need to know Jesus. Listen, that's why I said as a church, I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like this is a cruise ship. It's not. It's a battleship. And if we only come here to consume, 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 guess what? We'll get spiritually fat and people will die. Sounds harsh, but I'll get spiritually fat and people outside of this place will die. A spiritual death. I can come here and say, oh my gosh, I, I just hope the word is good today. Hope it speaks to me today. I got a new notebook today. Oh, four songs today. I enjoyed three and a half last week. Oh, this is a new one. I don't know the lyrics. Listen, church is not for you if you are in a relationship with Jesus. We exist at Kingdom Church for the one who is not here. They are the ones that need to know Jesus. Listen, I told you, we're building a church, new church building. That church is just an ends, but it's not the means in which we're going to get there. We as the people, we're the ones. We are the ones that are going to go into the field, go into our workplace, go into our schools, go into our homes, go into the places where it is dark, and we are going to be the light. How? Compassion. I'm going to have a deep love for people. Because here's the truth. I'm either watching or I'm working. I have two life dispositions. I'm either watching or I'm working. I mean no offense to this, but I got a pet peeve. I'm going to let you guys know. I've shared it before. Um, but it's Oilers season. Playoff season. Come on, somebody. Big win last night. My pet peeve is simply this. Kelsey knows it. I've shared it before. Um, when people say, in reference to sports teams, we. Like, we won last night. And, you, and again, no offense. I know some of you guys may say, we won last night. We won. Listen, that was a late game last night. Way past my bedtime. I'm watching that third period sprawled out on my couch, eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream. We did not win. They won. I watched. I love you. Harrison, I was at the ice district last night. You watched. They won. <laughs> Just a personal pet peeve. But, but, but listen, 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 listen. When we come to church, if you, are not, if you are not on mission, the church is winning, you're watching. If you don't believe Kingdom Church is my church, you're watching, well, we're winning. Why do I say we're winning? Because people are coming into relationship with Jesus. We just finished a series. We had hearts transformed. We're going to see baptisms. Come on, somebody. But that's just the beginning. 
What I've found is that the people that cannot shut up outside of this place, about this place, they are the ones that speak with the vernacular that says, this is my church. You need to come to my church. Man, you got to see what we're all about because I'm not here to watch. I'm here to work. Can I tell you, when you come to this place, let's stop watching and let's start working. And say, when I, when we, when I dismiss you guys in five to ten minutes, we'll see where it goes. What if we began to say, hey, I, I just finished watching. Now I'm going to start working. Well, Harrison, what do I do? Go talk to someone you've never talked to before. Because maybe they need to hear something from you. Maybe, maybe you've been through a life experience they need to hear. But we need to stop, come on, somebody, watching and start working. St. Albert will be changed when we stop watching and we start working. And say, hey, I have a mission in this place. Now, some of us are like, well, Harrison, like, I'm not called to speak. Harrison, you can speak. You're a speaker. You're, God's gifted you. I can't, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent of speech in the words of Moses, who became eloquent of speech, but it's later. First Peter chapter 3, look at this. It says, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always, someone shout always, always. be prepared to give an answer to everyone. You're like, oh, Harrison, was this an address to pastors? Nope. To the church at whole. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. That means work. That means the seventh hole. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Listen, we're not all called to preach on platforms, but we're all called to preach. We're all called to speak. All of us must be prepared to give an answer you're like, Harrison, where do I start? Just start with what God has done in your life. The most powerful thing you can ever share is what God has done in your life. He's taken me from death to life. From death to life. You're like, Harrison, I'm just, I'm not, I can't speak. I'm quiet. I'm shy. I'm not eloquent. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority. He gave them authority to drive out spirits, heal every disease and sickness. God says, pray for workers. Hey, you 12, you're the workers. But God does not send them out empty-handed. He fills them with authority. So I want you to understand this. Write it like this. God equips those he calls. God equips those he calls. Can I tell you something, church? If God has called you to it, What's he called me to? He's called me to share my faith. If God's called you to it, he is going to equip you through it. What I love about the, the prayer, Jesus says, um, just pray for workers. Pray for workers. He doesn't say pray for the most talented people. Pray for the most eloquent people. Pray for the ones that can say big words like vernacular. He doesn't say that. <laughs> he says pray for workers. Can I tell you something, church? When God, when God called me into ministry, I was more raw than you could ever believe. I had not read the Bible. I had not spoke publicly about Jesus ever, not once. 
And there's one thing, I wrote it in my phone, and every single time I had an opportunity to do something, I repeated it to myself over and over and over and over and over again until I believed it. I just said, God does not call the qualified, God qualifies the called. I did, come on. Because you can write it down on your phone right now. Because at work, I promise you this week, there's a conversation. At school, there's a conversation. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. We're called. He's going to qualify you. He's going to make a way. He is going to help you get better. Like, Harrison, I suck. Trust me, I suck. Listen, I'm about to do something painful for you. I, I brought you guys a video. This is, I, I couldn't find the very first time, I think this is like the second or the third time that I ever spoke in front of people. It's a short clip for your sake. Um, make sure, we got to make sure the audio is good. I'm going to show it. It's one of the first times I preached. Simply forget. And if none of those things apply to you, what about the time that Jesus died for us? And we just simply forget. And we do the exact same thing as Elijah you say, Lord, what the heck, man? I'd rather not be living than go through this right now. And it's crazy that we do the exact same thing. Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> Sorry. So anyways, we do the exact same thing. So God basically says, all right, it's time to teach Elijah a lesson. It's time to teach us all a lesson. <laughs> If God can work through that, come on, somebody. I'm trying, I'm trying to show you, I was not always eloquent at speech. I'm still not that eloquent at speech. But one thing I've always been willing to do, I said, God, if you've called me to it, you're going to get me through it. Listen, that clip, I'm telling you, that water bottle, I drank that thing every four minutes in that sermon. I don't know. Come on, man. Come on. Chugging it. I told, I told Christy that like when I used to preach, I had kind of like a lisp. What I realized was that like my mouth was just so dry because I was just so nervous. I was so nervous. But I think God honored my willingness despite my nervousness. And so I, I want you to understand something because you may not be eloquent. You may not say the right things. In fact, Upon reflection, you might be like, I don't even think that was biblical. <laughs> but I'm telling you this. Listen, God will use a willing and open heart more than someone that thinks they have it all together and just wants to be right. So I want to, from, from this message, specifically that message up there, the bad one, that's 2014, eight years ago. I got a message on Facebook that night from someone. And I'm going to share it with you guys. This is what they said. It just said, um, hey. <laughs> it says, I was really blessed by your message today. It was exactly what I needed to hear. I know this is super random, but I truly hope that God continues to use you. <laughs> when I watched that thing, I don't know what blessed her. But, but listen, we need not underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus says to his disciples, he says, man, when you go places, don't worry about what to say. Because I'll be with you. I'll be with you. 
And somehow in between chugs of water, the Holy Spirit spoke to this person. And she said, hey, you blessed me today. And even more so, she prophesied over me. She said, I hope that God continues to use you. And God's just getting started with me. And God's just getting started with all of us in this place. Listen to this. All I need to do is respond. You feel compassion for people? You feel that, that brokenness? All you got to do is respond. First John, um, I don't remember who's on keys today. Kim, maybe. Kim Rocket. First John chapter 4. He says, you dear children from God, you overcome because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So I want you to understand something. You love Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the one who is in you, he's stronger than anything around you. The one that is in you, he's greater than our insecurities. He is greater than our weaknesses. He is greater than my doubt. He is greater than my unbelief. The one who is in me. And if God called me to it, come on church, he's going to bring me through it. That job that you were at, you are not there by mistake. I know you hate it. That class, like, why am I in this class? Why do I still follow this person? It's not a coincidence. God's calling you to it. And he's going to equip us through it. Listen, church, I just believe as, as I preach this message, as God takes us into the next season. If, if you don't know our church, we're three and a half years old. Come on, somebody. We're still learning to walk. But in the next season that God's calling us into, we don't need more watchers, we need more workers. And as those of us in this place take our calling seriously, just watch to see what God is gonna do. You're like, Harrison, are you speaking to me, the one that just became a Christian, the one that doesn't even know I'm speaking directly to you? Just watch what God's gonna do through your life. There's a reason that you're the first called out of your family where no one believes. There's a reason you're the first called because you have a level of influence that the Holy Spirit saw in you that he chose you for such a time. I just gotta step into it and believe wholeheartedly the one that is within me is greater than anything around me and just watch to see what God's about to do. So I just gotta say one thing, church. You guys ready to work? Come on, somebody. Let's stand for a second. Jesus, I just thank you so much for this word. I thank you so much for your word, God. I just pray today, Jesus, that we can just have that compassion, that deep, just that deep physical change, that emotional, intellectual change that gears our hearts towards those that need to see and experience you, God. I pray for those of us as we enter the mission field, Jesus, that we just begin to have a confidence that comes from you. God, equip us, use us, and we just thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. We love you, Jesus. Fill us, Jesus. Send us this week. I pray for appointments, opportunities, conversations, and heart transformations. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for Jesus.
Thank you for listening to the message. We hope it blessed you and that you are encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and we would love to connect with you. Be blessed as you continue your week.